Well, would you turn with me this morning to uh, 1 Samuel, the second chapter, 1 Samuel 2, and I have on my heart to begin a series this morning that we may continue for, you know, next Sunday and beyond, something that is very important to me and I believe to the Lord. Something that is a big part of my heart. If you understand some of this, you'll have a lot of insight into me. And I believe something that's important to the Lord himself. And it is the honor of God. The honor of God. You'll find the honor of God and the glory of God very closely connected In fact, some of the words mean virtually the same thing. And the glory of God is a manifestation of his power, his presence, but his presence is a manifestation of all that he is. And when you understand honor, you understand a lot about him. How many understand God is honorable? I mean... Anything in this earth that has any smacking of honor got it from him. And uh, his glory, his gloriousness, and his honor are interconnected. When you experience his glory, you're experiencing his honor and all that he is intrinsically. His essence, if you will. I know as a boy... Even in uh, grade school and in junior high and beyond, I was drawn to certain kinds of things and didn't even know why. I enjoyed reading certain things historically and novels that were about Native Americans and tribal things. And I enjoyed reading things about ancient Orient and Japan And uh, then, of course, my dad put me in a martial arts school when I was 10, so that added to that. But not, you know, didn't understand what it was that I I was drawn to. But looking back now, it was honor. It was things that one warrior to another and one tribe to another in their dealings, there were things that had some uh, parts of honor to them. And that's really what I was being drawn to. And then when I really began to get into the Word and begin reading the Bible and got into the Old Testament and I read about David and his mighty men and I read about Gideon and I read about different ones and oh, it was answering what my soul had been hungry for, the honor of God. And of course, the ultimate expression of the honor and glory of God is the Son of God, Jesus The word manifest in the flesh, love manifest in the flesh, honor and glory manifested in the flesh. Did Jesus carry himself and conduct himself honorably? Did he deal with all men in honor? Oh my, he's my hero. Is he yours? Well, read with me in this text that we'll be looking at. And, uh, you know, when you come to church... Don't just sit down after the music and offering and wait to be entertained. Be active in your spirit, right? You know, utterance that comes through the ministry gifts is greatly affected by the hearers. Did you know that? You know, the Apostle Paul told individuals different times, he said, I would have gotten into this and I would have gotten into that, but you couldn't hear it. Well, that's not what you want. There's been some places... I've gone to, of course, I've traveled a lot for years, and some churches I've gone to, and I was there for a week and never could get out what I had on my heart. Somebody says, what do you mean? Why didn't you just give it to them? Not supposed to. The Bible says, don't cast that which is holy to the dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine. He's not just calling people dogs and pigs. He's A pig has no appreciation for a pearl. They don't know the difference between a pearl and a rock, a pebble. Is that right? And a dog don't know the difference between holy and unholy. You may think yours does, but I doubt it. (laughs) 
You say, my dog saved. Well, <laughs> I still don't know how much discernment your dog has. Dogs are pretty carnal. <laughs> anyway, do you understand what I'm saying? If somebody does not have ears to hear something, you shouldn't try to push it off on them. That includes your kinfolks. If they don't want to hear your revelations, if they don't want to hear you preaching about Jesus, then don't push it off on them. When you can see it in their eyes, they're bored, they don't want to hear what you're saying, shut up. I mean it. Elsewise, you'll actually harden them to the gospel. And in, in rejecting you, they don't realize they're rejecting something beyond you. And people are not always ready for you. Sometimes it's somebody else that they'll listen to, especially when it's family. So if they don't want to hear you, ask the Lord to send laborers across their path, the ones he knows they'll listen to. And they might say the same thing you've been trying to say, and they come back and say, oh, isn't this wonderful? You know, they told me, you thought, well, I've been trying to tell you that for 20 years. No, just smile and go, thank God. Everybody say honor. Honor. Are you interested in this? So believe with me, right? Believe with me for utterance and for you to hear because these things are very, very precious. I'd like to get into as much of it as possible. And that will depend some on the hearers. In 1 Samuel and the uh, second chapter, the uh, 30th verse, just the latter part, 1 Samuel 2, 30 says, them that honor me, I will honor. Who's talking here? God himself. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Let me read it again. Them that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Can you count on it that if you honor God, he will honor you? Do you believe it'd be a great thing for the Lord to honor you? You do understand that any success that you've enjoyed, financial and material blessings on your life, you being healed when somebody else was not, you being allowed to be used in the things of God in different areas, all of that is him honoring you. You know, we have a little different view of some things, maybe than some churches or some groups do. Uh, and sometimes people have been taken a little aback by it. I consider every aspect of church service to be a privilege. Amen. And if somebody acts like, well, we're just doing you a great favor by showing up and you ought to make much of us and, you know, rub our feathers and keep us happy or we won't keep coming then they're about to be gone. <laughs> Did you hear me? Because it is a privilege to come and sit in here and, and hear the word of God. And to come in here and worship God for me and for you. It's a privilege. Amen. And uh, I don't owe you anything and you don't owe me anything. As far as the things of God, we all owe God our complete thanksgiving and heart. And anything the Lord had asked us to do is a privilege. You know, you got to watch about this phrase, that's not my ministry. You ever heard that one? That's not my ministry. Because sometimes we've had people, you know, fill out uh, forms for us too and say, boy, we just want to help with anything, just anything. And we call them on something and they go, well, not that. I don't want to do that. And then they wonder why we don't call them again for a long time. Now that's quiet. Did you hear how quiet it got? (laughs) That's quiet. (laughs) Oh, I said, boy, you better watch it, Brother Keith. You may lose somebody and they may lose some blessings. See, this goes both ways. Amen. What if they're a big giver? God will bring three bigger than them in. Now, see, I didn't start this yesterday, (laughs) and I am no politician. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
I know a good friend of mine. <laughs> Just relax now. It's going to be okay. <laughs> a good friend of mine down south of here has had a wonderful church for a number of years. And uh, he had a fellow in his church that was by far the biggest giver. And I mean, the fellow was very, very wealthy. And he was half underwriting a lot of stuff with his giving, and which is wonderful. It's great. But the guy came in. And said he needed to talk to the pastor. And he talked to him. And he said, well, he said, now, he said, this direction you're going and these things you're preaching. He said, you keep doing this. He said, I'm going to have to pull out. And he said, well, man, I'm sorry to hear that. He said, uh, but I feel like I've heard from the Lord on this, what I'm preaching. And I mean, these things are scriptures, right, that we've been talking about. And, and the guy said, well, I don't care. He said, uh, you continue with this. I'm going to pull out. He said, well, if you have to, you have to, but I, I can't tell you that I'm going to change this. Yeah. And the guy said, well, I, I'm gone. My family's gone and their families are gone. And they pulled out. And he sat there in his chair in his study and the guys were pulling out of the parking lot. And he said, Lord, biggest giver in my church just left. <laughs> he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, no, I'm still here. <laughs> 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 and he said, you know, it wasn't long. The Lord brought three in just as strong as he was. Glory to God. See, sometimes you see what I'm talking about, though. See, this fellow thought that they were privileged to have him. And he didn't realize how privileged he was to be able to have a part there. I mean, you see the same thing happen in families, don't you? One member of the family or one couple in the family get a little more education or a little more money or something or success than the others. And they act like, you know, you ought to just be glad that we're your brother. Because, you know, you're just privileged to follow along on our coattails. No, no, it's a privilege to be a part of that family. It goes both ways. And you get to taking something for granted, you're in danger of losing it. You understand? And all this ties together because we're talking about honor honor it's a privilege to be used of the lord i mean if you're you know if you were up in heaven and if the golden streets got dusty which i don't believe they do but if they did and i don't believe they do and the lord came by and said here's a broom would you sweep this off for me would you say well lord that's not my ministry <laughs> would you say that i don't think you would well if you shouldn't say it there should you say it here because it does get dusty here. And all I have for you as a church, for your volunteer, is praise. You guys have done great. Amen. I mean, I'm not leading up to any reproof or rebuke about this. I'm not. You guys have done wonderful. Amen. Come in here and work and work. And yeah, give yourself a hand. You have. You've done great and you're doing great. But, you know, we're talking about the long haul here. Amen. You know, we, uh, we've never been flighty people. We've never started something and then quit it the year, the next year. Amen. I mean, when we get into something, we put down roots and we're there for the duration. Amen. Unless and until the Lord says something else. Amen. And um, so uh, the Lord will spare us from problems in the future if we think right. And if I honor you and you honor me and we honor God and we honor the things of God, we just won't even have some problems that other people have. Amen. They just won't even come, won't even have to deal with them. And isn't that the best? And thinking right. And how many understand this goes a long ways. If everybody's thinking, it's a privilege to serve God. Amen. It's a privilege to have this place. It's a privilege to have any part of the work here. Amen. If you come in and you work with the kids or you work in the parking lot or you clean or and all the time you're doing it, you think, thank God for this place. Thank God for not just this facility, but my church family, the people. Thank God for what we have here. And you don't gripe and you don't bellyache and you don't feel like you're being used. You ever heard that phrase? I just feel like they're using me. <laughs> well, these same people. Sometimes been praying for years. God used me. (laughs) 
Oh, please, God, won't you use me? Lord, show me what you want to do. I want to be used. Please, Lord, use me. I mean, cry, pray, fast, roll in the bed. God, use me. And you get in a place and get something that they can do and something that they're being allowed to do. And after a while, they get busy and they got several jobs and they go, I just feel like I'm being used. (laughs) You got to make up your mind now. You want to be used or not? <laughs> and the same with me. How many of you understand that I ought not to get up and, you know, wake up this morning and go, oh, no, nah, I got to go preach again. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege for me to come here and that you're here and that you'll sit there and nod and listen and not sleep. <laughs> that you're honoring me and you're honoring God. Is that right? Everybody all just say, we're happy to be here. here. Look at your neighbor, tell them, we're happy to be, I'm happy to be here. You happy to be, we're just all happy to be here. Don't feel like anybody owes us anything, right? We're ready to contribute, ready to give, ready in every way. He said, them that, I didn't intend to get into all that, but I did. Them that honor me, what the Lord say? I will honor, but those that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. There's volumes of understanding about this subject in those couple of phrases there. Let me give you the definition of the word honor. This is from the original language dictionaries. The word honor literally means heavy, weighty, which is some of the same meanings for the word translated glory. It means To value. Now that's one of my favorite definitions. To value. It means precious. It means costly. Expensive. It means to prize. Or to revere. These are different ways of saying. Expressing the same idea. If you honor something then you are expressing and demonstrating that it is valuable to you. It is precious to you. It is important to you. So let's interject those definitions. If you treat the things of God as precious and valuable and important to you, he's going to treat your things as precious and valuable and important to him. Wow. Now, it would help to back up in this story and see how they got to this place. The priest at this time is Eli, and he and his sons are in the ministry. Now, you know, in the Old Testament, the priests and the Levites were what today the counterpart would be the ministers, the preachers, and the helps ministers. The priests would be comparable to the uh, preachers today, the Levites comparable to all the helps ministers. That would include everybody in the ministry of music and everything else. But these guys in verse 12 of chapter 2, 1 Samuel 2, 12, it says the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. That's not good, is it? Preachers that are sons of the devil? Hmm. It says they knew not the Lord. And one translation says they had no regard for the Lord. And that really sums it up. If you honor God, you have high regard and high esteem for his things. Did you notice them that despise me? The exact opposite of honoring is despising. But despising uncovers a lot more ground than what we think in our modern vernacular. When we say somebody despised something, we think of a very harsh dealing. Oh, they're disgusted with it. They despise it. But the Bible is a lot broader in the context of the scripture. To simply ignore something can be despising, according to the word. This phrase can be despising if you just say, so what? That can be biblical despising. Big deal. Well, it's offering time. Whoop-de-doo. 
big deal. Well, it's church time again. So what? Well, we're reading scripture. Been there, done that. How many understand what I'm talking about? Subtle variations of failing to esteem the things of God. This book is holy. These words are holy. Our times with him are holy and precious. Everything he's doing should be very significant to us. And all of us have to, you know, monitor ourselves, no matter how respectful you think you might be, just through ignorance or something else, you could fail to properly appreciate something. And this is combated and changed by us growing in honor. How many believe you could grow in the honor of God? You could grow in being aware of what's important and esteeming his things more highly, but you have to exercise it. Do you realize how far we've fallen as a people in the earth where honor is concerned? How so many areas of society are honorless? There's no honor. Children don't understand. About honoring their parents. Because their parents many times don't understand. about They don't honor their employers. They don't honor their ministers. They don't honor their leaders. Everything's so common and so base. We're going to talk about this. I mean we're going to get into it. You know what I'm talking about? That's why I said series, right? We're going to lay the foundation and the platform this morning, and then we're going to keep going. I'm going to sweep out from under the rugs. We're going to get behind the doors. Amen. Amen. Under the bed, we're going to talk about what needs to be changed. Amen. Amen. Well, nobody has arrived in this. We can all grow in the honor of God. Well, let's read what honor is not here for just a minute. These guys... Eli's sons did not regard the Lord. Verse 13, they had a custom that when the people brought their offerings, the priest's servant or the preacher's employee or whatever came and with a flesh hook, they grabbed a bunch of the offering and took it out of the the pan and whatever it brought up, that's what the priest took for himself. And now this was unnecessary. Because according to the way the Lord had set up, a tithe of all the tithes belonged to the priests. The first fruits of all the crops, which was a different thing, belonged to the priest. These guys were rich, major rich. But I mean, some people are just greedy, no matter how much they got. They want to take somebody else's. So they were doing this, and verse 15 Before they burnt the fat, which they were supposed to burn the fat on every offering, the priest servant would come and say, give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have boiled flesh, he wants it raw. And if the man that was offering his offering to the Lord, he said, well now, okay, but don't let them fail to burn the fat, because they were supposed to do that. The scripture said so. And he said, no, but you're going to give it to me now, and if you don't give it to me, I'm going to take it away from you. I'm going to take it by force. So, verse 17, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. See, people got where they didn't want to give. They didn't want to bring their offerings because these preachers were acting this way. And so that's a bad reflection on the Lord himself. Because these men are supposed to be representing him. The offerings of the Lord are holy. Amen. You and I are supposed to worship God when we stand up here and bring our tithes and offerings. We're not supposed to make fun of it. We're not supposed to make light of it. And it's supposed to be handled correctly. When we say this is going to this, that's what's supposed to happen. Amen. And these guys, you know, they were stealing and robbing the people. And it was even more than that. They were despising the offering. Oh, what is that? I mean, they're acting like there is no God. There's a, give me that. What difference does it make? Taking it. No respect. No honor. That wasn't all of it. Skip on down. 
to verse 27. There came a man of God to Eli. And he said to him, thus says the Lord. This is 1 Samuel 2.27. Did I plainly appear to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I choose him out of the, all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? Did I give to the house of your father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Now, why is he asking him that question? He's saying, haven't you been honored? God himself chose your family to be used of God, put you in the ministry. Gave you all these offerings, honored you and blessed you. Verse 29, wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in your habitation. And you honor your sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. And them that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. They acted dishonorably. I mean, if you read the rest of the passage... Well, just read it with me. We'll take the time to do it. In the third chapter. And the uh, 13th verse. 3. 13. He says, I have told him, talking about Eli, I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. Now see, he said over there, you honor your sons above me. People sometimes don't understand love. Divine love and walking in love doesn't mean always giving in to people. It doesn't mean always doing everything they want you to do. Love will do the best for you. What's best for you, even if you don't like it. And, you know, if you've read the rest of this story... You know what an end these two men came to. And looking back, you see that Eli was a weak leader, wasn't he? A leader should follow God's example. Romans says, behold the goodness and the severity of God. Is God good? Can he be severe? Yes. And if you won't judge yourself, will you be judged? Yes. Does that mean he's not love? No. no, he's love. But sometimes, you know, we've had to make decisions before. And people say, well, where's your love? And you want to say, well, where's your commitment? <laughs> if you had been committed, we wouldn't be talking right now. But Eli should have been a stronger leader. He should have been a stronger minister. Should he have let his sons do what they were doing? Stealing the offerings. And the Bible says that they were laying with the women that came to the temple. They're having affairs with the women that came. And they're stealing offerings and committing fornication with everybody that comes to the, the church. What should he have done? Should he have done something strong with them? If necessary, taken drastic measures. Yes, he should have. The first inkling he heard of some of these things, he should have called them in. And he should have said, now, boys, I've heard some rumors of things. And if I find any of this is true, if I hear this, then that's going to be it. If anything's going on, you better get it right. And I mean now. And if any of this kind of thing comes up, you're out. I'm putting you out of the priesthood. And what if something had come up again and again? What should he have done? Put them out. Yeah, but daddy, this is how we're going to make a living and... And what about what will people think? If he was a man of his word and if he was strong, I don't care if it was his own flesh and blood, he'd put them out. Is that easy? No. no. And would some people might think, he's hard. He's a hard man. No, let me tell you what's hard. Is not dealing with things and letting them go on until they're not, they don't judge themselves and they wind up getting judged 
and both your boys dying in the flower of their age in one day and losing the Ark of the Covenant and losing the glory of God, that's hard. Do you see this? I've had parents look at me across the desk and say, well, I just love my child too much to discipline. I just, I just love them too much. You don't love them enough. You care more about how you feel than their future. Love will do what's best for you even if you don't even like me for a while. It will. Phyllis, you know, used to oversee the admissions department for a Bible school and I taught there and we did a lot of things for years and I taught a whole course on submission and authority and uh, I've had some people before just get so aggravated with me I had somebody come back uh, uh, after they'd been in school five years uh, and they said you know I really did not like you and I said well I'm sorry they said I really didn't like you but I love you now They really didn't like me when I dealt with them about some things because I wasn't letting them do what they wanted to do. And I called them on some things. But they said five years later it saved their ministry. Well, see, I care more about that, their marriage, their life being saved, their ministry being saved, than how much they like me right now. Do you understand that? I'm not just saying that for me. I'm saying that for you. Are you strong enough? Do you love your family, your kids, your grandkids, your friends well enough to do what's the best thing for them, even if it makes you unpopular for a while? Real love will do that. Real love will put up with me having to deal with these feelings of you not liking me if it'll help you in the end. That's real love. Real love. Now, go with me, if you would, to uh, the book of Genesis, the 25th chapter. How many want God to be able to honor your life and honor you and what you do? No question about it. Every, you can look back over your life and every good thing that's happened and everything that God's done for you. I was, uh, had a minister's conference this past week. A wonderful meeting. And I uh, was sitting at lunch with a bunch of preachers and ministers and a fellow that I knew from uh, North Carolina that has a wonderful work down there. He was asking me, he had heard about this church up here. And he said, uh, I hear that this happened and I hear that you got this and I hear that y'all already had this many people by X amount of time. And, and uh, I said, yeah. Yeah, God's good. And he, we were eating and, and we, he was quiet. And after about 30 minutes, he said, Brother Keith, that has to be God. That's right. <laughs> I said, it does. I mean, it does have to be God. He said, you couldn't have done that. I said, that's right. I couldn't have done that. It's God. Give us a place this nice, this quick. And this many people this quick. It's got to be God. But is that the honor of God? Is that God honoring us? Yes. Me and you. Yes. It is. But how? there's only one way he's able to do that. If we honor him. Right. If we ever stop honoring him, we begin to diminish. Right. Is that right? Yes. If I ever start putting my thumbs under my lapels and thinking, yeah, buddy, I can do this and I can do it. And if you ever do it, we'll be headed down. That's right. Is that right? Yeah. I'm not going to do it. How about you? We know who's our blesser. We know who's doing the healings. We know who's doing the miracles. We know who's bringing the money in. We're going to give him all the glory. It's one reason we read these testimonies. And when we're reading these testimonies, we don't call your name and we don't call mine. You notice that? Whose name do we call? We say, oh, the Lord gave somebody a chunk. So then we all shout. Oh, the Lord healed somebody. Give him all the credit, all the glory. We're honoring him, aren't we? Honoring him. And he's committed to us. You honor me, I'm going to honor you. He'll honor you by paying off your house. Honor you by using you to lead somebody to the Lord. That's an honor. Honor you by letting you have a part in his precious things. 
Are you hungry for this? Yes. And this is a big part of the inside of me. I'm believing the Lord is getting this out over the next few weeks or whatever. And I'm telling you, we're going to be a church that knows how to honor God. We're not just going to honor him in services. We're going to honor him all over this place. Amen. Everywhere we go, everything we do, people will look at us and hear us and see us. And it will make them want to lift their hand and go, oh, God is real. God is good. Amen. Because God is honored and glorified in us and through us. They see us and they see him. In Genesis, are you there? The uh, 25th chapter. Now, one of the great examples to me of the opposite end of this, of uh, what is not honor, we said that from this scripture, our text, uh, despising is the opposite of honoring. And this is a perfect example of this. In Genesis 25, you know the story towards the end of the chapter here about how verse 29, these two brothers, Jacob and Esau, Genesis 25 uh, 29, Jacob sawed pottage. He boiled some kind of soup. And Esau, who was a hunter, came in from the field and he was faint. He couldn't hit anything he was shooting at this day. He'd been out there too long and he missed all the game and he's hungry. And he came back in and he saw Jacob sitting there with that big pot of soup. And he said, uh, hey, brother, feed me. He said, give me some of that red soup, because I am weak. I'm about to fall over here. And that's why his name was called Edom. It means red, because of the red soup. Jacob said, sell me this day your birthright. He got the bowl there and the spoon ready, but he says, "Uh, it's going to cost you, bro. He said, what? He said, your birthright. See, he was the firstborn. He said, I want that. I want your birthright and you can have all the soup you want. And here's the thing. Verse 32, Esau said, behold, look here, I'm about to die. I'm at the point of death. And what profit shall this birthright do me? What is that? That's despising a holy thing. Because the Lord's the one that taught them about birthrights, Right? And he's the one that set in the law about the blessings of the firstborn. Didn't he? And so here he is. He said, I'm about to starve to death. He said, what good is this birthright anyhow? And Jacob said, all right, swear to me then. And he swore to him and sold his birthright unto Jacob for a bowl of pottage. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. And thus Esau did what? He despised his birthright. Hold your place here and go over to what? Don't hold your place. You can lose it. Hebrews. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Hebrews 12:15 He said looking diligently Hebrews 12:15 looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled Are there situations where it's okay to remain bitter Are there any situations Where you're justified. You got a right. To stay bitter. Not even one. To be bitter. Defiles you. It defiles your insides. And it can defile people all around about you. Bitterness can be contagious. Don't be bitter. Verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator. Or profane person. Now notice what company Esau is in, in the same company of fornicators. He's called a profane person and coupled with a fornicator. What does one have to do the other? Let me keep reading, we'll come back. He said, uh, Esau, for one morsel of meat, one little meal, 
he sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. See, later on, uh, when his father was close to death and he called him to come and let him lay his hands on him and bless him as the firstborn, he came in there and, you know, uh, Jacob again tricked him, got in first and got the blessing. And he came in later crying and saying, come on, can't you give me a blessing too? Says so he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. There are some things that if you despise and reject, you can lose them right. and not get them back. Right. I've seen people that lost their position or lost their place. In a ministry in a church because they, you know, they were there for a while and just got used to the blessing and got used to the things and got to acting like other people owed them this and that and through their poor behavior lost their place and rambled around and bounced from pillar to post and never could find where they're supposed to be. Why? Because they're out of where they're supposed to be. And then try to come back two or three years later and they can't get back to where they were. I mean, that place has already been filled and everything's going on and... I've seen people bounce around for 15 years. Couldn't get back. You miss it, God will forgive you. And he's not going to hold it against you. And he's not even going to mention your sins to you. But we don't just need to live haphazardly with the precious things of God. You can mess some things up where they're not quite the same. And it would come from not appreciating and not esteeming. Not valuing what God has given you. How many know you ought to value your family? Don't take them for granted. There's a lot of foolish people around. They just absolutely ignore and take for granted and actually miss and maltreat their family until they're standing over a casket. And then they cry like they can't even breathe because they realize what they had and what they don't have. And it took them being gone to be able to appreciate them. Well, that's being a fool. You don't have to lose somebody to appreciate them. Can we appreciate each other right now? Yes, we can. Can we value each other right now? Yeah, I'm going to do it. How about you? Amen. Amen. Said out loud, my family is valuable to me. I thank God for them. Then that means you're going to treat them a certain way. If they're valuable to you, you're going to treat them like they're valuable and precious. Notice he said uh, he compared him to a fornicator. What would a fornicator have in common with somebody that despised their birthright? Fornicators do not realize the value of the body. Did you hear me? One reason why so many teenagers are so promiscuous is because they don't know what their body is. They sometimes don't like their self. Maybe they haven't taken care of their body like they should. Or they're, you know, a few pounds overweight or out of shape. Or yeah, A lot of times you don't even know what you are yet when you're 15 years old. You're not through growing. You haven't developed. You know, you don't know. And But whatever, they just don't, you know, don't appreciate what they have and what God's given them. And so if somebody shows a little interest in them, they just give their body over to them. Don't love each other. Don't even know each other. You know, you get your eyes on somebody that you don't even know and you decide you're in love with them. You're confused. You cannot love somebody you don't know. Did you hear me? What's that old popular song? Was Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? That's the way so many teenagers operate. I know I used to be one. Anybody else in here used to be a teenager? You know what I'm talking about? You look across the classroom at somebody and oh, you're in love. You saw them play on the basketball court or you saw them, you know, in study hall and you're in love. No, you're not. You're in infatuation. You're in a dream world. You don't even know them. Right? And you see all these hordes of folks, uh, you know, following these uh, uh, rock stars around, these music stars. They're in love. Don't even know them. How could you be in love? You don't know them. That's for somebody. 
But why would a fornicator, what would a fornicator have in common with somebody like this? Don't know the value of what they have. Everybody say, my body is precious and valuable. Yeah, so you don't abuse it. You don't just give it to any and everybody. You save it for your spouse. Amen? Holy. These things are holy. Now, uh, let me start on one thing here. And this will be a good place for us to unhook and hook up next Sunday, I think. Go to Acts, the 10th chapter. This has all just been introduction so far. I'm going to begin to tell you as we go on how to honor God, how to honor people. Practical things. What to watch for. Honor involves how you see things, how you hear things, and how you treat things or deal with things. Honor is expressed strongly in those three areas. Anybody remember Luke 8:18, I believe it is? Jesus said, "Take heed how you hear." You remember that? Other place, Mark 4, it says, "Take heed what you hear." Luke 8:18 says, "Take heed how." Well, now, what would that mean? Does it make any difference how you hear something? Do you understand it happens all the time that two people sit side by side or in front or behind in a service? They hear exactly the same message. They were in exactly the same service. One leave excited and blessed. The other leave bored. They heard the same thing. And yet they didn't hear it the same way, did they? One heard, ho, ho, hum, I've heard, I know all them scriptures, I know all that. But the other one measured their hearing with respect. And they thought, man, this is the word of God. This is God talking to me. This is precious. I know uh, years ago we got a hold of some tapes that began to teach us about faith and about being free from the curse of the law and all those things. And I got so excited I didn't hardly know what to do with myself. I'm bouncing off the walls almost. And so I immediately, I went to my other friends, you know, and I said, hey, you got to hear this, man. I mean, this will change your life. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. They looked at me like, huh? And they said, tapes? You mean you listen to preaching on tape? I said, yeah, yeah, man, you got to try it. They thought, man, I'm, you know, they don't want to go to church and listen for very long. Much less do it during the week. So... Anyway, they finally, I imposed on them till they took a set of tapes and I saw them a week or so later and said, so what about it? And they said, well, I'll listen to one or two of them. You know, it was okay. I thought, no, no, no. So you don't understand. <laughs> every sickness and every disease, known or unknown to man, is part of the curse of the law. Deuteronomy 28 tells you all about it. And Galatians 3.13 says, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And they went, okay. No, no, no. We've been redeemed. <laughs> uh, you want to try to open up the top of their head and, and stick it down in there, you know, and say, get it. But they didn't. And five years passed, and we went off to Bible school and in the ministry, and 10 years passed, and 15 years passed, and 20 years passed. And I mean, our life is so radically different than what it used to be. I mean, we're such a different place in so many areas of our life because the Lord's blessed us and taught us and brought us. And some of the folk that I uh, gave those tapes to them, they're living pretty much like they were 20 years ago. And, and I was thinking about, I thought, Lord, what's the difference? They heard the same thing I did. He said, no, you heard it with faith. You heard it with respect. They heard it like, okay, whatever despised it even though they didn't mean that's what they were doing they did does it make any difference how you hear something okay here's the first point i'm going to introduce and we'll be close for today how you treat something shows honor and one of the first and major ways that you're going to demonstrate honor is by how you refer to a thing how you refer to something, what you call it, tells volumes about what you think about it, how you esteem it. Have you found your place in Acts? Acts, 
and the 10th chapter and the uh, 28th verse. You know Peter had this vision up on the housetop. And this sheet came down. He saw all these unclean animals. And the Lord said, rise, Peter, slay and eat. And he was teaching him about the Gentiles being acceptable. And in verse 28 of Acts 10, he said, you know how that it is unlawful a thing for a man that's a Jew to keep company or come into one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. We'll get into this perhaps more later, but let me just introduce it to you. If you honor something, you refer to it with designations of honor. If you value your wife, you don't just call her my old lady. Did you hear me? If you value your father, he's not just my old man. Hmm? I mean, this covers every spectrum of life. I had the privilege of serving under uh, Dr. Kenneth Hagin for over 20 years. To me, one of the greatest privileges a person could have. And uh, taught in the school. And I have students and alumni that I would see years later. And they'd say, well, how's the old man? I'm thinking, who? What? What? You know, old man Hagin. Well, they just told me a lot more about their self than they meant to. Right? This is utterly disrespectful. And see, do you understand we are still hurting from the rebellion of the 50s and 60s? We're still reaping when people tried to, everything was anti-establishment and anti-organization. And people tried to pull everything down to a common level. No titles. No nothing, we're just all the same. Some form of spiritual communism that they're working on. There is a difference. There's a difference in rank in the scriptures. We're loved the same, we all have the same privileges in Christ, but there is difference in position in the body of Christ. We'll talk about that later. And... uh, You hear these kind of things, people referring to each other. I've had children come up and say, you know, they're talking about marry this and marry that. And I thought, who's Mary? You know, my mother. Is it the most honorable to refer to your mother by her first name? You understand what I'm talking about? And people think, well, it's just a Southern thing to say, yes, sir, no, sir, uh, yes, ma'am, and mister. No, it is not. It's a Bible thing. I said, it's a Bible thing. We're going to get into it. We're going to show you scripture after scripture where this was spoken about and and heralded and shown to be important. I've heard uh, ministers, uh, husbands and wives, refer to each other as as the pastor or as the woman of God or man of God. That tells me a lot about their relationship. When I go to a church, I watch how those kids treat their mom and daddy. And it tells me volumes about that whole church. The respect is supposed to be there. It won't be there unless we pursue it. Unless we're hungry for it. Unless we want to be taught about it. Unless we teach our kids and we teach each other about it. Amen. There's been preachers that referred to the Bible as that thing. That thing. One fellow said this. He said, somebody said, well, you know, I can't find that in the Bible, what you're preaching today. He said, oh, that thing. He said, I'm way out beyond that. <laughs> well, he's out beyond where I'm going. <laughs> no. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Watch your language, how you refer to things. I've heard people, you know, make jokes. So we lived right over there close to Oral Roberts University. And... Uh, South Tulsa now is the finest part of Tulsa. The best houses, the best places. There used to be nothing out there. Absolutely nothing. And whether somebody thinks they like Brother Roberts or not, you have to be blind not to drive out there and see everything that's there. He couldn't have done that by himself. 
Those beautiful buildings and all those healings and all. I mean, he pioneered in TV ministry and the healing ministry. And and I've heard people make jokes about money out there and jokes about him and jokes about those praying hands. You know, it was a standing joke around there. Somebody said, did you know those brawn hands had kind of slipped apart, but they got them back together. Somebody said, how? So how? They put some money up between them and they went back together. Well, I wouldn't even have told you that because it's so distasteful to me, except I want you to see that, that that is really close to blasphemy. Did you hear that? That is not even remotely okay. Somebody starts to tell you some, I'm not just that, but anything in that category, you say, I don't want to hear that. Because if you stand around with them and laugh with them about it, you are despising a holy thing of God. Even if somebody made a mistake, they're not your servant. Right? They don't stand before you. You don't judge anything about it. But if the anointing has ever been on somebody, even if they went off the deep end and ain't even serving God today, if they ever served God, if the anointing was ever on them, you must honor that place and that work or elsewise you fail to honor God himself. So how we speak about the word, about the spirit, about the anointing, about God's representatives in all forms, shapes, and walks shows how much we honor Him. There's no such thing as saying, oh, I love God with all my heart and I honor Him with every part of my being, but I ain't got no respect for these people out here. Cannot be. Your honor for God is directly revealed in honoring people. Men and women and the things of God. Can you say amen? Go ahead and stand up on your feet. Let's lift our hands, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then we're going to express something before the Lord. Now, I know not everybody was jumping the chairs today and, and laughing and running, but I tell you what, one thing I'm on a track of, we're going to have a more and more powerful move of the Spirit in this church. We're having His presence manifest. He manifests himself when we worship him and praise him. and He's healing people in here. That's his presence. And in the teaching and everything else. But I'm telling you, his presence is going to grow. And we're going to have a more uh, powerful manifestation in all the gifts of the Spirit. But I tell you what, we I don't want a bunch of flesh. I want the real thing. Amen. And I know one of the big keys... To this is how much we reverence and respect his spirit. Amen. Amen. That we're, you know, yeah, we need to have fun. We we don't get so sober and stiff that we can't laugh and have fun. But at the same time, how many know there's a line you don't cross of making light of the things of God or making fun of something? We don't cross that line. So believe with me. Release your faith. I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Say it out loud. Father God. We do honor you. We reverence you. We respect you. Your word, your spirit, your church, your things are the most valuable, the most precious things of all to us. Nothing in this earth compares to the value of you and your things. Teach us about this. Open our eyes and our ears and our heart, our understanding to see the value. What you hold precious, we will hold precious. What you consider nothing, we will consider nothing. Help us to see what you see. See all things and all people the way you see them. If we have spoken foolishly, despising anything, forgive us of our ignorance and teach us so that we know and are aware of what is holy and good and precious and we will honor you and thank you for honoring us. 
Hallelujah. Put up your hands. Thank him for doing it. Thank him for being so valuable, so precious, so honorable. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.